0: To another episode of the Beulah Girl Podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friend, thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Beulah Girl Podcast. I'm Carol Whitaker, your host. Tonight's topic joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. Maybe like me, you're going into this Christmas season, you're surveying all that's going on in our world new terrorist attacks, threats from foreign countries, uncertainty in our political climate, and maybe you're having a difficult time feeling a sense of peace. Maybe your situation just personally is one that is causing great discontent. Maybe your funds are low so that you can't do a big celebration or decorate the way that your friends and neighbors are. Maybe The holidays for you triggers a loss of some kind that you've experienced in your family or maybe fractures in your family, problems with other family members. Maybe at this time, your health isn't where you want it to be and you can't attend holiday gatherings because you're stuck at home recovering from an illness or maybe taking care of someone else who is ill. No matter the circumstance, perhaps you just need to be reminded of the joy that is ours as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. And that's what tonight's podcast episode is about, is just reminding ourselves of the joy we have as followers of Jesus Christ and where our joy comes from when circumstances are bad. Recently, I was in the pharmacy and I was waiting in line. There was no one else there. It was the middle of the day and I was waiting to fill a prescription and there was a man waiting in, or a man in line in front of me talking to the cashier and they were just having this conversation about it was a few months ago so they were having a conversation about the disaster of hurricane harvey as it ravaged the houston area and the fact that there's just not much an individual can do during this kind of devastation there's not much you can really do to prevent the devastation that this kind of storm is going to inflict on in your community and on your personal possessions, etc. And so the cashier was saying, there there's just not much you can do. She said that phrase a couple of times. There's just not much you can do. And as I was listening, I had this thought pop in my mind, there's not much you can do in terms of preventing or preparing yourself for a tragedy or, you know, not having it devastate your personal belongings, but there is something we can do and that is put our faith in God. And those words came out of my mouth as I stepped forward in line. I'm not sure this was really a God moment. I wasn't, didn't feel any great nudging to say that, but I'm attempting to be more bold in my faith. And so that's what I said. The cashier nodded very carefully, it wasn't an enthusiastic response and she did not continue on in that conversation with me. In fact, she changed the subject. She started asking me about the prescription I wanted to refill and she maintained her professionalism, but she did not really answer me back as far as it, as whether she believed what I was saying or not or whether she had faith. I'm not sure if I made her uncomfortable or not. But later, I had a question for the pharmacist, so we talked briefly later and I clarified, I wanted her to make sure I knew I, that she knew I was talking about faith in in Jesus Christ, which I'll be talking about more in this podcast episode. And again, she did not continue in that conversation with me. She just kind of changed the subject. And, and so I don't know that it had any meaning for her, but it certainly, after having those conversations with her, it certainly made me think as... Later in the day, I was kind of pondering over that conversation. It made me think about how there are those situations in our life where we're just pummeled, and there's just not much we can do to really get ourselves out from under whatever is coming against us, as you know, in terms of our health or in terms of the problems we're having, except put our faith in God, and it's through our faith that we're able to make it through any circumstance and find joy, even when our circumstances don't necessarily change or when we have a situation in our life that isn't what we would have chosen for ourselves. And perhaps no other story in the Bible tells us about the joy we can experience more so than the Christmas story. And what I want to look at in particular tonight is Luke 2, 9 through 15. And I'm going to be looking at the new King James version. And this is where uh, angels address a group of shepherds in the field and basically tell them uh, about Jesus's birth. And so I want to just read this to you quickly and you can follow along or you can simply look up this passage later. I will provide the link on beulagirl.com for you to look up. Luke 2, 9 through 15 says this, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. There are just a few ideas I want to draw from this passage that can again kind of remind us of the joy we have in our salvation. The first sort of idea I want to pull from this message this passage of scripture is that the message is for all People. Now we just have to imagine for a moment being on this hillside with the shepherds. They're just a group of ordinary guys. They're out there watching sheep, and all of a sudden these heavenly beings show up to them. They had no prior warning, they were not expecting anything but a routine evening. And up shows some first one angel and then a whole group of angels. Now, Dr. Ralph F. Wilson, I've kind of borrowed this point from him that the message was for all people. It's based on the passage. But he says in his exposition of Luke on JesusWalk.com that he just emphasizes that the gospel was not just for the elite, but for all people. And we know from reading the rest of scripture that the gospel was intended for the entire world. Here, it was intended for the shepherds and, and for the nation of Israel. But we know too that, it was intended for all the people of the world. And we can really be encouraged by this because we can know that the Bible doesn't say that the message was just for people deemed important by the world standards. The message was not delivered to a governor or someone in a posh palace. It was delivered to some very humble people, which I'm going to get to in a minute. And the Bible tells us in John three sixteen that whoever believes will not perish, but have eternal life. So the creator of the universe is interested in every single individual, not just the people that the world has deemed important or not just the people that have the most likes on Facebook or the most popular or have, you know, some sort of amazing career that makes them important or have done some kind of amazing achievement that God is important. God is interested in individuals that are not necessarily important by the world's standards. And we see that just from this particular passage. Also, we should note that now I do want to actually, there is one thing I do want to clarify very, very quickly before I go on to my next point, even though it's for all people, what we need to know is that the good news is for all people. In some translations, it says on whom his favor rests. Now, What this small line means is that the gospel is available to those who have hearts open and ready to listen. There is this ideology in our world today that says, it doesn't matter what version of God you believe in. It doesn't matter if you believe in Allah or some other God, as long as you believe in a version of God that you will be saved. That's not what this passage is saying. The gospel is available to everyone, but in some translations, it says, for all people on whom his favor rests. In other words, the gospel is available to those people who want to receive the gift and receive God's choice of them and choose God in return. John fourteen six says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's Jesus talking. Similarly, Acts four twelve says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So, even though the gospel is available to everyone, there is a narrow way that we obtain salvation. And that is through belief in Jesus Christ. And the angels are saying to the shepherds, come and see this wonderful Jesus who has been born to save humanity. And this was the Messiah that had been prophesied years and years before. And we see those prophecies in the Old Testament. Now, the other point I want to just bring about that Dr. Wilson talks about is that And I've touched on it just by briefly saying that this message was delivered to a group of ordinary shepherds. But what we need to really note is just how ordinary these shepherds were. To us, in reading the Christmas story, maybe our reference point for shepherds is we may see them as noble beings. For instance, in the Bible, it does portray shepherds as being particularly noble in other places in scripture. Jesus identifies himself as being the good shepherd. David, King David, who was a great man of the Bible, was a shepherd before he became king. So those are very noble figures. But in this particular context, if we do a little bit of research, shepherds in this particular time period could also be viewed by some as not so great members of society or a lower ranking member of society. Just in doing some research and reading the article that I mentioned from Dr. Wilson, he just talks about how shepherds were often hired hands. And so often they would be hired and they would go out to watch these sheep. But while they were out there for endless months at a time, that often they would use other neighboring farmers' land. They would often take dishonestly from the the profits of the crop and not tell their owners so they had a reputation for being dishonest and they weren't even allowed according to what dr wilson talks about in his article they weren't even allowed to be witnesses in a court now there was another group of people during this time that were also not allowed to be witnesses and that was women where women were not allowed to act as witnesses in a courtroom in in this particular time in in history and yet Jesus and the story of his birth was given was given to the shepherds, shepherds that were not noble by any means, considered that by anyone in society. And they were allowed to be witnesses to Jesus' birth. They went and they were witnesses to his birth. So again, we see that God has different standards in the world and he wants and notices and uses the marginalized, the forgotten, the rejected and the unwanted. So you may think you couldn't possibly be chosen by God or that God doesn't care enough about you to be in relationship with you, but that is so far from the truth. And we could see an encouragement in the story. If we're feeling down about wherever we are in our faith walk, or maybe we just haven't even received Jesus, we may think, well, God doesn't have any interest in me we can know when we read the story that he certainly does have every every interest in every single member of his creation and that he wants a relationship with you. And that it tells us in 1 Corinthians one twenty seven, he uses the humblest of vessels to shame the strong. So just as God showed up in an ordinary place to declare good news to these shepherds, he will show up to those who put their faith and trust in him. The second point I want to draw from this passage is that The message is a message of peace. Now, if you look at this passage, what it it says, the angels sing glory to God in the highest and on the earth, peace, goodwill to men. We may skip right past this word peace and we may think, oh, that's nice. God wanted there to be peace or a feeling of unity and harmony. Well, certainly that is what God would want us to be in harmony and unity with other people. But this passage is talking about a peace in terms of a reconciliation between God and man. The angels are singing about the fact that Jesus came to reconcile God to man. If we look back in the book of Genesis, the story in Genesis tells us that Adam and Eve were put in a perfect environment. They were created by God to be in a world with no suffering, no sin, no disease, and no sickness. And yet, they were given a test of obedience. They were told not to eat the fruit of one particular tree in the Garden of Eden, and they ate it anyway. You're probably more than familiar with the story. If not, you can check it out in Genesis. They were tempted by the serpent, which was Satan, to eat the fruit. And when they did, sin entered the world. They were banned from the garden. And everything that we have that is wrong with our world today, the death, sickness, national, you know, natural disasters, all of those things, creation being out of kilter came into the world because of sin. Except God never intended for his humanity to live that way. He didn't demolish the world. He didn't give up on us. He didn't say, well, there's just no hope for you now. Instead, God always had a plan for humanity and that plan was Jesus Christ. Now in Old Testament times, there were rituals and sacrifices. There was a priest that would mediate between the people and God and there were sacrifices that they would give to atone for their sin, but that was an imperfect system. And God sent Jesus to be the perfect sacrifice, to be the way for us to once again be in right relationship with God. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, they broke their perfect communion with God. They could no longer be in communion with him because of their sin and they needed a way to have their sins atoned for and to be in relationship with him once again. And so God sending Jesus was the plan for us to be in relationship with him once again. And so the angels singing about peace, they're singing about how that relationship has been restored. For those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have a restored relationship with our Father. When we are born, we are born spiritually dead. We may be alive and screaming and and kicking and well, But until we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are completely spiritually dead and cut off from our Heavenly Father. But it's through belief in Jesus Christ and a relationship with Him that we are once again grafted grafted into relationship with our Heavenly Father. We are grafted into the family of God as sons and daughters. And we become what we are always intended to be and that is we are given the ability to be in communion with our heavenly father and live with him eternally. That is our promise as believers that we will live with him eternally and be with him forever because we have our faith and trust when we put our faith and trust in him. So that is certainly something to remember. If you have nothing else going on in your, in your life that is right, you can remember that important truth and experience joy because we have Jesus who made it possible for us to live eternally and to be in relationship with God once again. I want to just read two scriptures, 2 Corinthians five eighteen. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Colossians 1, 19 through 22 says, for God was pleased to have all fullness dwell in him or Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So just as it was great news for people in Jesus's day, it's great news for us today that though our world may look out of control, we have Jesus who provided a way for us to be connected once again to God, and he is holding all things together. Nothing is outside of his control. And that's Colossians 1.17. The third and final point I want to make related to this about how we can be reminded and why we can experience joy no matter what our circumstances are is just the the other part of this message that the angels gave and that is not only of the peace we have our the reconciliation between god and man that we have as christ followers but the message also tells us of god's goodwill again let's just remind ourselves of the passage the angels sing glory to god in the highest and on the earth peace goodwill to men The word goodwill is an old word that we don't use that much anymore, but goodwill is kindness or a favorable attitude toward someone. What we have to also know and what the passage also tells us is that God's sending of his son indicates God's good intentions towards his creation. Though in many religions God is depicted as distant, uninterested, uninvolved God, the one true God, the only true God is very passionate about and interested in his creation. It tells us in 1 John 4, 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Again, it's talking about what I was speaking about, that we live, we become spiritually alive when we put our faith and trust in him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. When God created mankind back again in the book of Genesis, he made us the very climax of his creation. While he spoke the other elements into existence, he actually bent over his creation and formed, personally formed Adam out of the dust. And then later he formed Eve out of Adam's rib and that's Genesis 2.7 and Genesis 2.22. With all that's going on, it's fairly common for people to say when they look at the trouble in the world and say, wow, how can there be a loving God when there's so much suffering in the world? Well, we can point back to what scripture tells us that again, as I mentioned before, God did not create sin. He did not create suffering. We did. We brought it into the world when we disobeyed. However, again, we can see that even though we disobeyed, God still loves us and still wants us to be in relationship with him. We see that not only with the last point I was talking about, with how God wants to be reconciled to, with us, and he wants us to share that story of reconciliation with others, but he wants to be reconciled. And it also shows with what the angels are singing that God loves us, that his intentions have always been good and that they've never been bad. And so, you know, we may wonder how can God, intentions be good right now. I don't feel like God loves me. Maybe that's something you struggle with or you think God, if God loved me, he would not allow what's going on in my life right now or what's going on in the world. But again, we have to go off what scripture says and not what we feel. And we have to know that God throughout history has demonstrated himself to be a loving and good creator. And that no other story like the Christmas story shows us his love for us, that he would be willing to send his only son to die on our behalf so that we could be in relationship with him again. It shows how much he loves us, that he would be willing to send himself. So I want to just wrap up with a few thoughts. With so much uncertainty and turmoil in our world, it's easy to get swept up in fear or other negative emotions. We may long for a time when life wasn't so complicated or look around us and have difficulty Experiencing joy in the midst of all we see. But just as the news given to the shepherds so long ago was meant to give them great joy, so the news of Jesus is that which we can accept with joy years later and accept and celebrate when all around us looks very bleak. I want to just point out to you that in response to the news, the shepherds went to go and find him. Similarly, if you're listening to this and you haven't yet put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ or You haven't received him as your Lord and Savior. I want to encourage you to take the step to invite him as the Lord and Savior of your life. Invite him into your life. There is a step that has to be taken. You have to ask him to come into your life. And just as the shepherds went to go and find him, you have to go and initiate that step and say, God, I want you in my life. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If you are looking for God and you're seeking him and you call out to him, he will be found by you. He is not going to hide from you. He is not going to make himself absent. He wants to be found by those who are seeking him. So what I want to do to close then is just take a moment to invite those of you who want to receive Jesus, if you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to do that now, I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. And I want you to follow along with me if you've never accepted that free gift. And if you are someone who's been walking with God a long time, I hope these three points that I've mentioned in relation to the Christmas message that was given by the angels to the shepherds, that it will remind you just of the amazing gift that that Jesus gave in coming to earth. We often take it so for granted or we often just blaze right past the Christmas story and forget what it truly means, what Jesus truly did for us. But I want you to just think about and reflect on what he truly did for you and be thankful for that. If nothing else in your life, you can think, thank you, Jesus, that you provided a way for me to be in relationship with my Heavenly Father once again. So let's just pray. Again, if you'd like more resources or want to find more out about salvation, you can visit BeulahGirl.com. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your gift of salvation. I believe in you. I believe in Jesus. I believe you sent Jesus to save me from my sins. I invite you, Jesus, into my life. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I ask that you be the Lord of my life and lead me and be the Savior that I need. I thank you for your gift that you gave me on the cross. I thank you for for the sacrifice you gave on my behalf. Thank you, God, that you did not leave me in my sin. You did not leave me in my suffering, but that you cared enough to send your Son. In Jesus' name, amen.